I want you to meet the joker of our team. Now for you, she might not seem like a jokester. That's because when she crosses the line to play footy, a different Ruby shows up. She's tough, courageous, fierce, and a tough backliner that loves to run down the wing whenever she gets a chance. But off the field, Ruby is a ball of energy. I actually don't know how she has enough energy at the end of the day to train. Ruby is 100 miles an hour 100% of the time, and that's why I love her. Meet my teammate that keeps me young. Welcome, Ruby. And thank you for joining me on Coffee with Braz. Thank you for having me, Brazzy. Cheers for the coffee as well. No worries. What's what's your order, firstly? I'm a skinny cap girl, but I like my mum and my sister. We all get the same. We get extra chocolate on top because the chocolate's the best part. So, and you can't trust a cafe to always put like sprinkles. Sometimes they add it in the coffee and that's just not on. Like you'd need to have like, you know, the last lick, like take off the lid and... I'm pa- pretty passionate about it, so. <laughs> you are, and I love that. Yeah. But it, like every other coffee, a latte, a flat white, and a cappuccino, it's still, I think the only thing that makes a difference is the chocolate on top. So 100%. I understand why you do want the extra. Uh, absolutely. Now, being a skinny cat, this is one thing I don't get. So you're not a vegan, you're none of that, so you don't have the, like, the oatmeal or the almond milk, so you're still going cow milk. Why the skinny? Do you think it's going to make you skinny? I think I'm going to wake up with a six pack when I drink it. No, it's 100% all mental. Like, it's definitely just like, a, oh, well, may as well do it. <laughs> or I might be a fatty boomba when I wake up. <laughs> if I was just to put, like, non-skinny in there, do you reckon you'd know? Nah, probably not. I don't know, probably not. Actually, you know what? Because I, I don't mind a home coffee as well. Like, just like a – there's, like – Aldi brand coffee that me and my mum really like in the morning. We'll like sit out and, you know, when I'm home, sit out and have it with a date or whatever. And if you if I put full cream milk with it, it tastes terrible. But with skinny milk, it actually tastes good. I don't know what it is. It's a natural thing. I don't know. I don't know the science of it, but it, it works. But in this, probably not. You heard it here first. Ruby is trying to get a sponsorship with yeah, Aldi. Yeah, thank you, Aldi. Sponsor me. I need someone to sponsor me. Well, we'll definitely try that. <laughs> Um, so I just want to talk about your childhood. So you're a big family girl, but your your personality plus, and that's why we all love you. Where is where's that fam? Where, sorry, where's that personality come from? Because I've met your sister, and she's 100% you as well. Where, yeah. Where's that come from? Yeah, I think you know, pretty big family on um, mum's side. I've got three siblings, um, and we're all very loud, the same, very chatty. Um, my mum and dad are very loud, very chatty, very funny people. Um, and then, yeah, on my mum's side, you know, she's got three siblings as well and they've all had either three or four kids and, you know, my nan and pop and we all grew up around each other. So it was a very, you know, loud, you know, house whenever we were all together. Um, so I guess you sort of have to fight to get a word in a little bit. So that's why I'm so loud all the time. The girls probably hate it, but it's just, it's you know, it's bred into me at this point. I'm, I can't change myself for it. So No, we love it. Please never change because <laughs> it definitely keeps us entertained. Um, now, I've heard a rumour that you grew up in a caravan. Can you confirm or deny this? Yeah, so we always had the place in Perth, um, in Williton. So that's where, you know, we did our schooling and played all our sport there. Um, but like before I can even remember, um, Dad uh, Dad bought the place in Lancelin in the caravan park, so just a little caravan there. And um, my auntie and uncle bought the one across the road. So literally like the same street, just across the road it just popped up so they bought it um and every like all spare time that I can remember school holidays weekends whenever there was no commitment on we'd be um there and between the so there's 22 of us on 
um, my mum's side and um, whenever we could, a couple of them live in Sydney, but even whenever they were here, we'd all get there and um, be sort of between the two caravans, um, which was so cool. Like there's 15 of us cousins who have all grown up around the same age. There's no more than like two years between each one. So it was just sort of, you'd play around, like there's, I reckon there's photos of me you know, I refused to wear a shirt when I, when I was little. Went from, you know, whenever I just always, if you see photos of me as a kid, I was just like this grubby blonde haired kid with like just undies on. And there was just like, you know, around the caravan park, you just had free range. So you'd, you know, there was we were like the bikey, bikey, bikey boys on the, on the bikes cruising around the caravan park. Um, I reckon there's photos of me with like dreadies cause I wouldn't let mum touch my hair with a brush for weeks while we were there. Um, so yeah, like all of our spare time was spent there, which was like, the greatest childhood ever, you know, growing up with your cousins and you just sort of pass out in whichever caravan you'd fall asleep in and head to toe with everyone. So, um, yeah, it was a really good fun. I'm very, you know, grateful for the childhood that I got. Yeah, I can only just, I can just imagine like 15 rubies running around. You're just being someone else that owns a spot there in that caravan park. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I would have loved to be there. Yeah, the, yeah, the owners amazing. of the place definitely knew which family we all belonged to whenever we went past. We were just sort of, you know, a big bunch of us all going together and it was always a bit noisier whenever we were there on the weekends or holidays and stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's no, the best it was thing great. about a caravan park because you, you seem to get to know everyone. So it's just like, yeah, your mom, like you've obviously got your mum, but then it's like you've got 10 other mums because everyone just keeps looking exactly. at you. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. I had my first crush there as well. Braden, yeah. shout out. Don't know where you are now, but I think when I was like five, he was like in the street over and he, like his parents always had Zooper Doopers and WWE on. <laughs> Yeah, Which like we him. never like we didn't have like uh, we never had the TV on in our caravan like, so like we'd go over there he had a little sister as well and I'd just flirt the house down with him. <laughs> Give me, hit me up, Braden. Like don't know where you are. <laughs> hey, what about your new boyfriend? Yeah, like, I know. Sorry, Braden Corey. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. Braden's the first love. <laughs> and is that where your love of surfing came from? Like being a was it near the ocean? Yeah, it's like right. It's just a little surf town there. We were, you know, two-minute drive from um, Back, Beach, Back Beach, which is, you know, a real kid-friendly beach there. Um, and, yeah, just sort of grew up always, you know, the whole family were boogie boarding and surfing and um, all my uncles and aunties are right into it. Like even my nan and my nan and pop, before my pop passed, he was right into his boogie boarding. He actually died boogie boarding, which is kind of the coolest Thing ever like not many people's pops <laughs> died from that so I mean it's pretty cool <laughs> as bad as that sounds um but like and Nan you know she's I think she's 84 maybe and she still boogie boards like she yeah she's like it's, it's a pretty cool family um but yeah when we were younger you know like I still remember getting like my first foamy board for Christmas um and it was just like the best thing ever like me and all my siblings got one um, but yeah, definitely from there being like, I'm such a coast baby um, and especially, you know, moving to Melbourne, I try and get down to Torquay or whatever as much as I can um, because, I, you know, that's probably just where it's my sort of break and it's where I sort of get to reset, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and besides obviously surfing and Brayden, um, <laughs> basketball <laughs> is another one of your loves as a child. Yeah, another one of my passions. <laughs> Was Braden just cheering you on the sideline? He's been um, watching me since day one. <laughs> but you played in the SBL, um, which for people that don't know is the state league level over there. Mm. Um, you played for the Willerton Tigers. You represented Western Australia um, in the 
under 16s and under 18 metropolitan um, teams. So you were pretty good. It, it was my, yeah. It, like, as in, it was, <laughs> it was like, yeah. I, to put it this way, I was never going to do anything with my schooling. And I knew that, which was terrible. Like, I just wasn't, an, like, I, I could, I'm smart if I put my mind to it, but my mind was constantly on basketball. Like, it was, I never thought I was going to do anything else. It was always for me just like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be a professional. Like, that was just my everything um which i think mum sort of tried to you know that they always backed me in and like backed in my potential in basketball um but they used to i used to get grounded a lot for <laughs> not getting schoolwork done or not doing assignments so um it definitely bit me in the bum a little bit um but yeah no it was like it's for sure where you know my it was like my love all through it's like since i can remember it was my main sport and um, yeah, like I said, I didn't think that was just it for me. Yeah. Um, so sort of when that was taken away from me, that was a massive sort of shock to the system, I guess, and yeah. pretty like tough pill to swallow. Yeah, you talk about it being taken away from you mm -hmm. and you also talked about you wanting to go to college and become a professional. So you finish school and you go that like, this is what I want. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get to America. I wanna be in one of the college teams. How did that play out? Yeah, so um, I guess with the whole college thing, like you go through a bit of a process, like you, you know, send some emails out to some colleges and, um, you know, they'll scout you at national um, competitions and stuff. So whenever we'd go over and um, represent WA in like a big nationals tournament, um, you know, there'd be scouts there watching and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, for me, the my final under-18s uh, championship that I was playing at, I was the, it was my last year to sort of... You know, I was top age 18s. It was my last year to, you know, prove a point and try to get scouted or try to make, you know, an Australian squad or something like that. And um, two weeks out, I we were playing a scratch match. We used, to, we used to do like a country versus metro scratch match uh, a couple of weeks out just to see how we were sizing up against everyone. And um, just got like fouled on a layup and came, came down really heavy on my feet and a bit awkward. And I sort of felt it, but like kept playing the rest of the game and um didn't it was sore but it was manageable and I just was on really strong pain meds that whole carnival so um and was probably a bit stubborn with it didn't really want to say how bad it was um especially because I, I was captaining the side so I think part of me didn't want to let my team down as well um, but I remember that first game against Northern Territory, um, I had to start off that game. Usually I'd be, you know, starting point guard. I had to start off that game because I was like, no, nah, I need to, I, I need a long time to warm up. Um, I played, I got on like halfway through the first quarter and pretty much crawled off the court after four minutes in so much pain from my back. So that was a pretty, <clears throat> pretty long tournament. I think I got, I played one full game. Um, played half a game. We played Chloe Malloy. She was playing for Vic Country. We used to always meet each other at you know the state carnivals. I played half a game against her and then was done for the day. So it was a pretty long and like emotional carnival for me. Just you know knowing that that was that was it. That felt like everything that I'd worked towards, and I couldn't put out. You know I couldn't show how much I'd worked for it yeah. um, because that was stopping me. But, which, I mean, in hindsight, it was pretty dumb of me to keep playing. You, you talk about being in pain. Like, 
you had a broken vertebrae in your Yeah, back. but like, we, I didn't know that. So we didn't go and get scans or anything beforehand. We were just like, oh, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a muscular thing, something like that. Yeah. Um, and how old and were then, you? So I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah, my last year of high school, I think. Yeah. So year 12 and... Yeah, that was pretty hard. And then two weeks later, see, I just do stupid things though. So like two weeks later, I um, I the WA football, like state football, had asked me to come and play for them. Like they were sort of basketball was my focus, and they knew that. So I'd only sort of trained with the team a few times, but they knew that I'd previously played footy. Um, so they were like, "Well, do you want to come?" Play, play for us for this carnival. It was just in Mandra, so I was like, yep, sweet. And so played with that, um, but it was actually, like, it felt okay. So, like, I made it through that carnival um, and it felt all right. Like, I was wary of it, but it felt nowhere near like it did in basketball. So, so at what stage then, like, did you find out that it was broken? Like, so, um, so when obviously uh, no scans before football. Yeah, so after that went and got scans. Um, my uncle's an orthopaedic surgeon, so um, he sort of threw him, he had a look at it and um, had, yeah, he was like, yeah, there's that little fracture there. I couldn't tell you. I, I'm still one of those people that, like, needs my mum at the doctor's, so I couldn't tell you, like, what level or anything it was at. But, yeah, basically it was on one side, like, a bit of a fracture there. And because I kept playing on it and didn't, obviously rest at all um that's then it's called like a pars defect so it's basically it didn't get a chance to heal properly so um it's kind of like a, a bit of a permanent fracture there um which i really struggled with like my first couple years at collingwood um that really held me back and i would be you know off the field needing it to like warm up and it would spasm you know at least once a training session which I'd need like 10 minutes to warm it up again um but yeah now I've sort of figured out my body and um figured out what works for it and um strengthen that area up so it's not as much of a you know pain in the ass for me yeah so you've already got the one break I guess in your, in your vertebrae and then you go out surfing and you fracture another vertebrae yeah seem to be like the icing on the cake for the college team so you've got the second vertebrae uh, I guess colleges are a bit nervous to take on someone like that. Um, yes. How did that make you feel feeling, yeah? Yeah, so after that first one, like, obviously had to sort of let colleges know. Um, what you, we were in sort of that Skyping phase where you're chatting with the coaches over Skype and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, obviously had to let them know and they sort of, you know, we had one more basketball season to play, which was wobble, like, my under-18s for Wilson Tigers. Um, so, like, played that. That's the thing. Like, with that first factor, I never – I didn't stop, basically, because the doctor said, well, that's pars now, so yeah. you're not going to do any more is. damage to it sort yeah. of thing. So, um, kept playing that season. And then the grand final, of the, which was probably five months later – um, like four or five months later, um, th that grand final, I just in the warm-up could feel that it was a little bit sore, um, but played the whole game, was on court the whole game. And then probably a week later, um, yeah, just surfing and it was just un like a stress fracture. So I'm sure it was sort of slowly chipping away at it and then just that movement of pushing up on my board. I was just um, in Perth surfing with, you know, I was out with my auntie and my mum um, and, yeah, pushed up on my board and just that movement, just under stress, like something little as that, which usually would not do a thing, has just on the other side at the same level, um, just another little 
fracture there, which that one had me out. Like that was, I couldn't, like struggling to sleep, you know, when you've got a, a back or anything, when you're like even a, a kink or anything, it's so hard to be moving or anything like that. Um, but I'd just be lying in bed and so sore, especially for that first few weeks. How did you um, get back in from? Um, just could only do Pilates for like reformer Pilates. So was doing nothing for a I think it was like two months or something like that um, and then could only really do reformer Pilates. Um, lucky it was the end of our season so I didn't have to be back for basketball for a while um, and then that next year was, you know, my first year with the SBL side so coming back into pre-season, that was really tricky and that was – I struggled a lot still with um, – like that, I think it was the other side that gave me the most grief. That pause, like that side, I gave it the time to heal and um, you know strengthen with reformer Pilates and stuff like that. But that pause fracture was really difficult for me and for, for years. Like I struggled with that, and even now, like I get a lot of tension through my back and you know need to get it worked on before every training. But um, to, yeah, to begin with, it was you know I think just the hard court as well. Like you'd know in netball how much pressure you get on your knees and your back, and you're constantly changing direction um I think that was just my back just didn't like that so it was a lot of time sort of on the sidelines trying to manage that yeah so now you've got two broken vertebrae mm. and you've gone from a semi non-contact sport with basketball going into a fully contact sport with AFL where's your head at like if I was your mum I would be like no way like your back is so important yeah um, especially because mum's a nurse as well yeah. like she but um well, no nah, where, where did football come from um well like played when I was younger brother was you know a good footballer um three juniors and then played some waffle um and dad was always his coach three juniors so I remember just watching him play and being like oh I want to do it like from since I could remember and dad would let me train on with my older brother's team and stuff and till I could, you know, get playing an kick team. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of, when I came back to it, I think I was actually kicking down at one of my brother's waffle games and I was, I'd always, we'd, me and Dad would take a footy, we'd go to, like, pretty much every game and we'd kick at half-time and one of the, um, one of the blokes that something to do with East Frio came up to me and said, well, you look like you know how to kick a footy, you know they've got a women's team, which I had no idea. Um, and he said, you should, you know, go down and have a look. And um, it t turned out someone that uh, – one of the women that Dad worked with actually played for him. So um, went down and had a, watched a game and was like, oh, this is cool, like women play footy. And then, yeah, so th that last year of basketball, that under-18s, I was doing both footy and basketball. Basketball was the main one. So if there was, if it ever ever fell on the same day, it was always basketball. Um, but there was times where I would play footy in the morning and then go play basketball at night. But like, yeah. I was just like a energizer bunny, and I loved it both. That I was just so happy, and I found that actually comp they complemented each other. Um, so like, agree more. yeah, like that last year was like one of my best, you know, basketball years I'd played. Um, because I don't know whether you just you feel rougher or you you just you hundred percent. It's just that yeah they do just like complement each other so well. Um, so yeah, I don't and then about you, but for me like coming back into from footy to netball, the fact with footy we have so much space to do whatever that when you come back into like basketball or netball where it's so small, you kind of respect how quick the game is. But yeah, you, you've learned how to I guess for me and I, I'm assuming you'd be similar. 
you're a lot calmer because you're not so erratic because you're so used to how footy is. Yeah, definitely. I think that's like one of like my strengths in footy is the spatial awareness around me and sort of yeah. like quick hands in tight spaces because, you know, like as a point guard, you're, con- you're in a tight space constantly with pressure on, like you're looking for like a little dish into a post or something like that. So I, that's how it sort of like transferred over to me, for me. Um, but yeah, no, and then, but yeah, as I said, basketball always took the front seat until that all happened. And then, um, yeah, that first year that I was playing SBL, I was also my first year of league footy for East Frio. And um, yeah, f- like just found it easier my back just found it a lot easier um coming back to footy than it did basketball which I I think does come down to that hard court and short sharp stuff rather than you know you you are getting hit but you you naturally know how to protect yourself um and it's on the soft turf sort of thing so yeah yeah. and shout out to East Fremantle a team we both yeah that's it the mighty sharks I only played five games but you played a lot more than me (laughs) (laughs) I'll still claim them yeah bloody oath um you 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 think it was your first or second year you made it into the grand final footy is still pretty new to you and you start the grand final as a ruck how, how's that? And do you miss oh. playing ruck? Because you're obviously not a ruck with Absolutely that. not. Never put me in the ruck ever again, Steve, please. <laughs> well, Steve didn't put it Why in. Why is that? Because I look at when Shana goes up and I'm thinking the same thing. I'm so glad <sighs> I am not Because I'm five foot nine. I was, <laughs> sorry, I was second ruck to Emma King, who was the best ruck in the league at the time. Like, yeah. you know, marquee player for Collingwood the first year. Um, I think for me, like, I was, I was a utility, so... Um, and I was drafted as a utility. So that first year, um, you know, my first year of league where I was playing with all the older girls, um, I they were sort of throwing me wherever if they needed me in the back line or whatever. But as a, like an undersized ruck, I could then play as that extra midfielder, which I think was – so a lot of the time, I mean, we played King Emma King when she was playing – who was she playing for? Um, Coastal Titans and who were like a, also a rivalry for us. And I don't think I went up once that game. Like I just pretend, stayed on the ground and to run up, literally stayed down and sharked her taps and called for the footy. So that was it. Sort of worked in both ways. And then when it hit Smart, the ground, mate. exactly. Smart so it's run. like so when and then that grand final, um, I was going up against Chelsea Randall, who was there, which you've seen her jump. Like yeah. she's taking some unreal grabs. Um, but, yeah, no, I do not miss the ruck at all. Not a chance. I mean, I'll play wherever the team needs me, but just not in the ruck anymore. <laughs> is there, do you have a favourite position? Halfback, for sure. Yeah. You can do anything from there. Yeah. Like, you love the runoff as well, Yeah, you? yeah. Love the runoff, bit of like an intercept. Um, is there a player, like with the men's team, that you would say, like, you'd want to – you base your game off theirs? Um, I think, I, like, watching Darcy Moore, like, his read of the footy – um, you know, like going back and I want to try and take a bit from him because um, he's just, yeah, his read of the footy is second to none really. Um, but, yeah, I think I can get all the get all the help I can get yeah. <laughs> at this point. I need to get on the track first. I need to get on the field first. So. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you picked up with Collingwood in the first ever draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Collingwood's pick 144, is that correct? 130. Seven, I Come think. on, Wikipedia, you're letting me oh, down. Oh, Wikipedia. Mate, so I've gone all out for this one, <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you – like, what was it like? Because 
when I was drafted, there wasn't too many picks in that year. But being the first year, there are so many picks. Every team needs to pick up at least 30 players. So there are a lot of numbers. How was it? I don't know. Were you at home at the time? I was at my auntie's place. How were you? Yeah, were you watching it? Were you yeah, down? so, was it? yeah. Well, a lot of I names was before you. Was it? Yeah, so I knew that I was going to get picked up late. So for me, um, Frio had offered to pick me up. And obviously with the women's, it's different to the men's. You nominate where you want to go. It's not sort of because, you know, we, we, it has to be up to us whether yeah, we move or not. That. So just we'll go back to the last question in a minute. But... What made you being a Western Australian player? You're a baby. We I was 18, 18 yeah. at the time. What made you select the Victorian draft? Um, so was it just I, and, and I was Victoria? I'm a Frio supporter growing up as well. So like for mm-hmm. me that was it was huge for me. But I sort of I went home to mum and dad. So I'd, Michelle Cowan, who was the coach for the inaugural coach for Frio, she'd um, offered me. Like I went down and had a kick with her. I'd already been talking to Collingwood at this stage. Um, Nikki Harwood Webbo, who was um, the wife of my East Frio coach that first year of league, she came across as the inaugural midfield coach for the girls. So she and she's the one that came to me and said, you know, would you want to come across to Collingwood? So and straight up, that was the first. I didn't think I was a chance of getting drafted because footy wasn't my focus. You know, it was always so basketball. Still at this stage, still not your focus. No, like I, well, it was just a bit of fun because yeah. we'd been told it was going to be 2021 the yeah. first AFLW so it didn't it wasn't anywhere in sight yet you know yeah. and then it was literally within six months it was like okay well you know 20, 2016 draft and 2017 is the first season like it happened like that um so it, it sort of and just being 18 like I was the youngest to get picked up by Collingwood it I just didn't think that that would happen for me there was so many girls who have played for years who were in that you know 20 to 30 prime of their careers um I just didn't think that I was a chance really so when Webbo came to me and started talking to Wayne, our first coach, um, they sort of, yeah, they were saying that they were interested. And then um, Frio, you know, I went and had a kick with Michelle and she basically said, you know, we're going to pick you up. And I think she'd heard that I was talking to Collingwood. So she was like, you know, just stay in WA, nominate WA. Um, so then that day I went home and I just I called Wayne and I said, look, I, I just want to know where I sit with you guys because obviously I, I want to get picked up. It's I just need, to, you know, Freo have said they're definitely going to pick me up. I just I want to know where I sit with you guys. And um, he just said, you know, we're going to draft you. It's just that no one knows you in Victoria. So we don't have to fight with anyone for you. So we're going to pick you up late, really late in the draft, which I was like, I don't care. I, like as, as long as like that was just so cool for me to hear that it was like, like I'm, oh, I'm gonna get drafted, you know. It was, and it was. I think the only nerve-wracking part was that, you know, I hadn't met Wayne, so it was like, is he gonna stick to his word, or have I really screwed myself over here, sort of thing. Had you said no to Freo at this stage? No, nah, I, I said. Going, is it like whoever picks me up first, or did you know it was gonna be Collingwood? No, nah, so I, I then, so Collingwood told me, Wayne told me, like we're gonna pick you up. It's just gonna be one with one of our last picks. So I was like. Okay, you know, and then went home to mum and that was in the same day that Frio had offered me and I called Wayne straight away and then I went home to, like, I told mum and dad and mum and dad are, like, they're so all for, you know, experiencing things and, um, you know, going out there and they basically just said, like, that's such a cool thing, you know, how many people at 18 are moving across the country to play in a women's football league in the first ever year. Like, and they just sort of said, you know, if it doesn't work out, home's always here. If it doesn't work oh, out... advice, mum and Oh, 100%. And, like, I'm so grateful that they did that because I think if I had to make that decision myself, I probably would have been too scared too. And, I, you know, 
it would have been hard without the support to move across the country at 18. Like I was such a baby. I had no idea what I was doing. I ate the same meal for the first six months of my life. Like of my of that like chicken and rice with like steam packed veggies. It was the worst. I can never eat it ever again. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'm so grateful for them to for saying that because that's when I was like, you know what? That's so right. If it doesn't work out, I can move home. I can work hard in the waffle again and try to get picked up again, you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like fortunately for me, it's it's worked out and it was it was a tough first couple of years, you know, with homesickness and because I am so close to my family and such a homebody, but it's the best thing I've ever done. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, what I'm getting out of it and the opportunities that have come from it. Yeah, and you were named in... Um the first ever game against Carlton at Icon Park was being a lockout. Everyone knows about it. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there cheering you girls on. Is that still one of the best things you've ever done? Yeah. Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, we, yeah. So, like, we were only given, we were told we were going to be given, I think it was, like, two wristbands because you had to get them to get into the game, obviously, and sit with the family. And um, I basically, my, I told my dad I was, playing which I didn't think I was going to be you know being like the youngest and um so I was being a backup ruck for Emma King at that stage because I was drafted as that utility um and yeah when I rang dad like we both cried on the phone like it was I think because you know we miss home and you know it was just sort of like things were paying off um and then a couple days later he was like is there any chance you can get 17 wristbands and I was like, uh, what? So I, I didn't know who was coming. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, managed a, a few of the girls and stuff in the club were really good and gave me a bunch of their wristbands and um, they did the jumper prezos before the game and um, four of my best friends had flown over to watch me play and, um, all, you know, my nan and my aunties and um, just a whole bunch of my fam, all my siblings, my mum and dad, um, which was the coolest thing ever to have them there. Like, I didn't think they'd all... Get, get over to watch me play but um, that was like a really teary moment before the game and then yeah running out onto the field it was bizarre and like coming off the field yes we got spanked but like it was it was hard not to smile because it was like like we just we just did that like that's that happened you know and we were a part of that and that was just the most the feeling of like that you know the national anthem and looking around and you know seeing all these little girls with face paint on with you know numbers on their backs it was like far out like this is actually a thing now and this is a thing for years to come so that was really like I know a bit eerie but so like I look back on it it actually gives me like shivers a little bit because it's like far out that happened you know yeah and like you talk about that and I'm still I've like I hate saying this I hate jealous people but I remember being there with a few of the netball girls like and for one, we got we had training here first, so we had to when we got there, we weren't allowed in. Yeah. So obviously everything was locked up. We called our CEO. We tried calling Eddie Maguire. We tried calling everyone just to get into this game, and we we're lucky enough that Maddie Brown knew the CEO of Carlton. So we got yeah. in. We were standing with Carlton. I remember um, Carlton kicked a goal, and like the stadium erupted. <sighs> and Brooke turned to me and just said, because obviously you know I've always wanted to play footy do you want to be out there? And it's the first time in my life that I can honestly say I was so jealous of you girls. I was happy yeah. for you guys, but I was just like, what a moment. Like, that was the moment we got it. Yeah, and no, but like no one else will ever experience that. And I will never experience what you had because did you just – were you on the field and did you have a moment where, you know, obviously the ball's not near you, but you were able to just go, wow. Yeah, I think more right so now. like – 
running out, like yeah, more so running out. I think when it was like on the field, it was like everything was happening so quickly. Yeah. Like it was like the ball was there and then it was gone. Like no, it, you just couldn't expect anything that was going to happen, I guess. Um, and you couldn't hear a thing. Like yeah. you, I don't think we were ready for that of training with, you know, that much noise and calling for a footy, you couldn't hear someone. So that was like such a shell shock. And I think I remember someone got like tackled out on a wing and the ball was just like, the, every, the crowd yelling ball was like deafening. It was yeah. the coolest thing ever. But um, yeah, no, it was, I mean, we could have done with you. <laughs> we could have done with you on that day, Brazzy. Uh, I reckon I you would have helped our cause a little bit. Um and. I guess the first year you decided to stay in Melbourne, make the most of it. Um, even the second year you played, the, when Collingwood had the first BFL team, you decided to stay and be a part of that. But then you've, you've been pretty open about it, how you found it hard and you struggled not being home. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, like I, I love Collingwood and the, and the VFL program. Like I had so much fun and they gave me the opportunity um, the year that we won the premiership to um, to be a co-captain alongside Grace Buchan, which was like such a cool opportunity for me as well. Um, but that was also a really difficult year for me. Um, I'd injured my knee and that had me out for 14 weeks. Um, so, it, you know, it's like you would know it's tricky to watch people and um, be on that sideline, not being able to do a whole lot. And especially being away from home, it was like, okay, well, what I'm here for is has been taken away from me for the moment. So it was a bit of like, well, what am I doing here? And it was a bit of a sticky spot. I sort of wasn't, you know, now now I'm studying at uni and I feel like I'm working towards something. But at that point, I wasn't. So I, was, I sort of just felt like I was in a bit of a rut, didn't know what I was doing, which I think everyone experiences that at a point in their life where they go, what am I doing? Am I enjoying what I'm doing sort of thing? I think people also underestimate this as an athlete because being injured... It's not like having a sick day off work and people always compare, oh, but it's your work. Like, yeah. You get over it kind of thing. But when it is sport and you're an athlete, you don't switch off. There's no nine to five. It's 24-7. You go home, you, you're sleeping earlier just so you can play a better game. You're trying to recover. When you're injured, you're doing rehab by yourself 24-7. There's no interaction. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially being so young, 18, 19, not being able to... Yeah, home and footy just being everything. Like yeah. what you were talking about before, you had basketball, you had surfing. Like, yeah. Um, when you're injured, surfing gets taken away as well. So exactly. And like, I mean, like, as you said, that jealousy side of it, like we won the premiership that year and I couldn't, I couldn't play in it. And that was, I was so proud of the girls. And um, like that day was such a great day. But for me on the sideline, it was it was actually really difficult as well. And I don't think I sat down that whole game. I was yeah. screaming next to the bench the whole game. Yeah. Um, but that was like a bit of a tough pill for me to swallow as well because it was like, like we've, been, we've had a really tough three years at Collingwood. So this is like our first taste of success that we've had in like the women's footy program. And like as much as I am and people say, you know, you're, you know, you're a part of it and you did this, it's like, oh, you don't feel it. That's hard, you know, like yeah. it is really hard to feel that. So, you know, when that happened, like that was, I was so happy for him and it's, you don't want to sound selfish, but it's like, oh, I just wanted to be out there and like, feel that like in the end of the day you don't have a medal around your neck yeah. so that was like really tough for me as well um but yeah like after that you know the Collingwood I played this last um 
Collingwood AFLW season and um, even prior to our season, I put it to the coaches. I said, look, like, I obviously no one knew what this year was going to turn out to be. Yeah, well um, yeah I know, it played out well for me. But, um, yeah, I just sort of said, look, I, I want to keep playing for you guys. Like, I see my career here with the AFLW program, but I think for that to happen, I need a breather. And in that off season, I need to be able to go home and, um, you know, I've got Corey at home and my family at home. So I sort of said, I, I need to go home and have a taste of that and, you know, be around them um, so I can come back refreshed and ready to go, which I feel, you know, that obviously it's been a weird year and stuff, but I was really fortunate to be out and the club were great with that. Um, so yeah, it's actually been a, you know, not a bad year for me in that way that I got that taste of home yeah. and, um, have come back pretty refreshed and, you know, I, I want, I sort of wanted to prove to myself that I could do it and come back in good nick so that the club can trust me to keep doing that as well. Yeah. Um, which I feel like I've done as well. No, well, I think you've made the right choice cause you're looking extremely fit. You're looking great on the track. Thanks, um, girl. And I'm excited to see what happens <laughs> here. Lastly though, you live with our two international superstars. Oh. Um, they're in quarantine at the moment, so you have the house to yourself. What is it like living with the two Irish girls? Oh, it's interesting. You, you, and you know what? They're not here, so you can I know, I can bag them out. <laughs> I, it's stinky. No, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. That does not surprise me with you <laughs> yeah. and them two. I no, could not live there. They're, um, they're the best. Like They're two of my best mates. I think that naturally happens when you live together. Um, our personalities just really complement each other. No one gets on each other's nerves. Um, apart from when Rowie steals all my socks, that's the most annoying thing ever. She always does it. Um, but yeah, no, I can't wait to have them in there. It's been a lonely month yeah. by myself in that apartment. So I'm keen to have them in there and, um, yeah, I miss, I miss them, yeah. my girls. <laughs> well, this will be the third year that you've lived with Rowie? Yep. Um, yeah, third year. And you know, your first year you talked about just living on rice snacks and stuff like that. And then you've, you live with Rowie who is like... 100% 100% of the time with what she eats how she trains did you learn anything yeah absolutely they've taught me a lot about um you know obviously just like in our off days when we do our gym and stuff like that um we, you know we'd get up in the morning and do that and just the way that they I think they've played a massive part in how I've changed my body and like learned about my body as well um just watching how they approach their gym sessions and their SNC and stuff like that um I've learned so much from even that just in particular and then yeah being around the house I think when they're they, like they are so diligent and same with Ash as well they're so oh, they're so everything you know like everything is scaled and yeah. ready to go so I think it's hard to not pick up habits when you're living with someone like that and so yeah they've been a massive influence and really positive influence for me which is great like as a you know they're couple of years older than me so it's like you know I love them they're so good for taking me under their wing and teaching me that side of things yeah no that's awesome and just firing shots at them which one will if you're late who's going to be late out of the three Rowie for sure Who she is? cannot look after herself she's still like she the club will try to get a hold of her like whether it's for visas or something like that and she like they used to call me and be like ruby can you please get a hold of Rowie? like i'm, I'm, she needs to be I'm two minutes there she's not replying to anything i'm two minutes away from calling her dad and even then she'll be like dad can you sort out this visa for me like she's the worst ash is very self-sufficient Rowie's the worst <laughs> who's the bossy one? Oh. Like we're all pretty good. You're all pretty bossy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's the best cook? 
probably we all eat like sort of the same thing most of the time. Is probably there anyone that takes control of it? Um, we well we all cook separately, but we like because we do like our own sort of meals. But I feel like I should be pretty good. Like she likes to chop and change it up a bit. Where Roy and I usually just have like mince and veggies and stuff like that. So. Yeah, probably Ash. Yeah. Um, if there was someone that had control of the remote control, who would it be? Probably me. Yeah. Yeah, because they end up – because we'll sit down. Uh, Love Island, for sure. We went through last year. <laughs> no. like Love, I- Love Island Stop. UK. Yeah, dead set. We were, like, just binging Love Island UK. Yeah. And the last one, who's the worst driver? Rowie. Oh, my God. If you see her – Sorry, Holden should not have given her a car. <laughs> Luckily, there's no, like, dings or anything like that. Actually, I think she might have had to pay for a little ding her first year and she was spewing about it. But I was like, mate, you can't argue with it. Like, she was like, it wasn't me. I'm like, clearly it was. <laughs> but she's the worst. Like, and they gave her this huge ute and I was like, that is the one. She looked like a little a leprechaun <laughs> hopping out of this ute. Like, she needed a stepladder to get down. But, like, watching her trying to parallel park. I remember we were standing outside this cafe and she was trying to parallel park this massive ute between these two cars and it was, like, an 83-point turn. It was hilarious. She's shocking. Well, you definitely need to get some vision of that. Yeah, I, will. I think I've had I've had a couple Insta stories or something of it, but it is it's too funny. She's woeful. No, well, thank you, um, Rubes, for sharing your story. Um, you're an absolute legend. The club love you. Even the netball team love you. You're one of the most loved players at this club. So thank you, and thank you for sharing your story. Thank okay. you, Brazzy. Thanks for having me. Thanks, boss.